Hi, I'm Ben Richardson, and you're listening to the Karate Podcast, where we talk about karate, the competitive sport of Kumite, and the warrior's journey. Brought to you in association with Kumite Coach, the world's first progressive online high-definition coaching platform, created by coaches and fighters for coaches, fighters, and students of karate. Join KumiteCoach.com today and take your karate to the next level. All right, welcome to our first podcast with Kumite Coach. We have a fantastic guest uh, today in Matt Price Sensei, JKS England team coach, sixth Dan, professional coach for over 20 years and former European champion in our great sport of Kumite and karate. So Matt, thanks very much for being with us today for Kumite Coach. Obviously, you're part of what we're doing. I'm really excited about the launch that's uh, happening this week. Would you just be able to tell our listeners a little bit about your background in karate, how you got started, and and then maybe where you ended up as a result of you know your training and your career? Hi Ben. Well, yeah, I started karate uh, as a, a nine-year-old child. Uh, dragged along by my mum, uh, trying to get me away from watching the television all the time. Took me down to a, a local dojo, uh, didn't really know what we're getting into, um, and launched me from there. Um, I enjoyed it at first, and then, as many kids do, started to really hate it, yeah. <laughs> wanted to stop. Um, my mum kept dragging me, telling me that paid for the key, and then paid for the train, you're going to go along and do it. So we had a bit of an ongoing battle for a few years, which she, she won. Um, and then, thank goodness she did, because suddenly karate became the most important thing to me. About, about the age of 13, 14, um, I completely decided to dedicate myself to karate training, um, which then led me on to uh, different teams and squads along the way. And um, to the end of my career, uh, when I accomplished most of the goals I'd set myself, um, and, uh, fought for uh, at the time of the KG England team for many years, and also fought for the New York Styles team as well, um, winning uh, some stuff along the way. So yeah, it was all good. Excellent. And what at what point do you remember? What point you decided as a, a student of karate that competing was something that you'd be interested in? Was it was your club a competitive club by nature or was that just something you had to find yourself? Uh, well, the club, um, I was with at the time, it was, it was the Harrogate Dojo, which is now my, which is now the club I run. Um, there wasn't any competitive element whatsoever. Um, I can remember, I can remember the situation really clearly. Actually. I was sitting in the, the back of the car with my, my father driving, my mum in the passenger seat, and I was reading a martial arts magazine, which is what all, all I've ever read about St. Hedge. Um, and I said, oh, there's a tournament in Manchester. Uh, you know, one day I'd like to compete. And I was, again, I'd be 13 years old at the time. And my dad just said, right, we'll hook you into it. I tried to backtrack and say, well, this is something I'm thinking about for the future. <laughs> and they said, no, we'll hook you into it. And uh, they took me along. And that was they stayed with me for the day. I, I maybe won a couple of fights and then was completely outclassed and lost. Um, and that was the start. I decided then, well, okay, this is good. I want, I want to continue along this line. 
Nice. And was uh, success something that came easy to you in, in tournament karate or did you experience some success and then any stages where things didn't quite go your way? Well, I, I had some, ignition, uh, some success at first. Um, I, I won a, a, a tournament, um, which, again, looking back, it was a UK Open Championship, but I, I'm pretty sure the level would have been very high. I won that um, after a few months of competing. Um, uh, so I was about like, 13, 14 at the time. Um, but then I didn't win anything for years, and I competed all the time. Um, and then it became a process of trying to figure this Kumite lark out and find what would lead to success, what training wouldn't. And so the battle began then, really. Nice. And was there a, is it, was there a certain point where, you know, you've obviously started off trying tournaments out and was there a point in your career particular moment where you thought actually competition and maybe even just karate as a whole is the future for me uh yeah again probably around about 15 16 so, uh, fairly young for me then that uh i was enjoying the competing um i was i was then training at the uh, leech dojo and the bob road sensei and i was a very that's a very competitive club um, uh, it was it was tough training, so obviously the pre-mix sort of era. Um, and karate was certainly then populated by a uh, a a strong uh, characters fighters. Um, very much a working class sort of discipline then, um, and I just sort of fell in love with it and decided that's what I wanted to be. I was always. The mix was always taken out of me as being the posh kid from Harrogate who would come along to the dojo. Um, <laughs> but that's what I decided I wanted to do. Uh, I was challenged academically at school. I, I, wasn't, um, I wasn't a good pupil, uh, not because of any bad behaviour, just learning difficulties, dyslexia and such things. And uh, I decided that karate was what I was going to do. Fantastic. Um, so... You started out in the Karate Union of Great Britain, as did I, KGB, um, and you you had, you got had a lot of success in the KGB. You're one of the prominent fighters. You be, you're also one of the prominent uh, kata um, competitors as well. Uh, who who was your kind of inspiration as a fighter while you were in that association? Was there someone from that particular association or were you already looking outside of the KGB early on in your career? Uh, early on in my career, um, certainly there was a lot of uh, uh, well, fantastic fighters from the KGB. Um, just within that, the Leeds dojo, we had Randolph Williams Sensei, uh, the late Randolph Williams Sensei, who, yeah. who was a great uh, inspiration for me. Um, and then on top of that, would be the likes of, say, Frank Gremsensi and those people there, Ronnie Christopher, Elwin Hall, um, George Best. The association was, was packed full of high-level uh, Kumite athletes who you aspire to be like. So, yeah, from the very beginning, you were, uh, there was many people to look up to and, and try and emulate in some way. Yeah, awesome. Um, and with regard to 
Kumite, because that's what we're all about, a Kumite coach. Um, you, I know, I know that you uh, started in, you know, obviously the KGB. You were, you were fighting for their team, but you were doing some all styles. You started getting to some all all styles competitions and started training with some different people. Can you tell us a little bit about that side of your journey? Yeah, I mean, I uh, uh, so the KGB was and is great. It's a fantastic organisation. Um, great grounding, certainly for myself. Um, but I was around about two thousand. When I was competing within the KGB, I was I'd become a dominant athlete within the KGB, um, and then I was doing well internationally, but not as well as I wanted to do internationally. Yeah. Um, and then the, uh, I decided that I just wanted to improve. I just wanted to do better. Um, fighting at the to the, to the SK Championships and the Wuska Championships, the European Chess Championships, and the World. Chess and Karate Association Championships. Uh, you were meeting then a lot of the fighters who were fighting internationally for their um, their countries. So not just association fighters. You were fighting the top uh, WKF fighters, and I felt that there was a uh, uh, well, loads to learn from them for one thing, and they were really really good. Yeah, and getting past them was extremely hard. So I made the decision um, to look outside where where I was and to see what I could add to my training, what what coaching capabilities there were and add it in to what I was already doing. Um, uh, later on, um, Karate, for a brief period of time, United, and it gave me the opportunity then to represent on the All Styles team and I was uh, fortunate enough to basically get straight onto it through the selection process to get straight onto it and and enjoyed that time. But for years before that I was already training with the likes of Paul Newby, uh, Craig Burke and top these top fighters and it really uh, opened up the way I was fighting. It, it took me well, it took me to another level basically. Yeah. So how did you how did you initially meet Paul Newby sensei because he's one of the coaches that works with you on the committee coach platform right well that's a <laughs> that's a good story where was that so I came back from I fought at the JKA uh, world championships uh, in Tokyo um, well, was about 2000 or 1999 but I fought and I've done well I'd um, I got all the way through the rounds, um, and it was a huge competition. Um, and then I ended up fighting in the quarterfinals against uh, the great JKA fighter Cockerburn. Um, uh, Cockerburn beat me. We had what was a close fight right up until the fact that he completely switched on and he basically punched me out of the area. It was a great clip of the evening final. He punched me out of the area. Um, and I, again, I remember thinking then, wow, that man just turned on to another level there and beat me. Now, I knew that he was also training on the All-Stars, which was very rare for a JKA fighter at that time. Um, I believe he got a WKS World Silver medal, so a very high level. Um, And so when I came back, I decided, right, I need to branch out. 
And I remember sitting home watching Sky Sports. I, I think it was a three-on-three competition was being shown at that stage. And I saw a lightweight fighter moving in such a way I'd never seen a karate fighter move before. Um, and I think, I can't remember who he was fighting, but I remember watching him and just thinking, wow, if I could have something like that and add that to my game, that would be amazing. Yeah. I checked him out. He was called Paul Newby. Uh, he lived about 40 minutes away from me, so I decided I'd contact him. Uh, I knew a chap um, who was training at his dojo, so I asked um, him to send in my details, which he did. Um, and with, if you know Paul, Paul can sometimes be quite elusive. <laughs> so <laughs> I tried tracking him down, and it was no good. I couldn't get anywhere. Um, and then one day, I bumped into my friend who said uh, that Paul was competing in Nottingham at a championship the weekend. And so I just drove down there and introduced myself. I was the KGB champion at the time. Um, Paul was a bit, well, you know, come along and go, you know, we'll, we'll do a session if you want, and see how you get on, you know, see if you can stick to sort of uh, the fitness levels, not the, not the toughness levels, because that was okay, but the fitness levels they were working at. Uh, I turned up, did the session. And I was absolutely wasted by what they were doing. <laughs> um, I, the, the energy levels they were working out was something I hadn't really, had, I really had in my own training. Yeah. Um, and then I just kept hassling for the next session. And then me and Paul became, over, over the years of training together, became the bestest of friends. And uh, we trained together twice a week, every week for years. And, you know, and we still swap ideas and talk to each other. You know, every other day, all the time. So, yeah, it was a that meeting with Paul helped transform my my understanding of karate. Could be karate. Fantastic. Did you and you and Paul ever compete together, or do you just train together? Um, I don't know if we competed. We we sort of competed. Uh, we went away together competing. Um, tournaments together um, never really on the same team so when I went on the All-Star team he'd already moved out and at that stage he'd gone uh, into boxing um, so we never really I, I can't I could be wrong but I can't remember speak, uh, ever fighting on the same team but we certainly competed at tournaments together frequently yeah and you were both if I'm right we, both at the 10k clash the original 10k clash I didn't do the first, the very first 10k clash. Uh, Paul did. I was training with him at that time, and I went along to watch and support and enjoyed the show. Um, and then uh, the following 1k round, the following year, uh, uh, I think Paul also put my name forward to Joe Long, the organizer, and uh, uh, I got invited onto it. And again, that's one of the things that helped me on my career to fight that 10k clash. Um, my nature of my fighting was always very aggressive and people enjoyed seeing it. Um, that helped well, to propel me onto the karate scene, I suppose, the bigger karate scene. Yeah. And how do you feel? Um, we obviously, you know, the 10K clash has been reintroduced recently, uh, which I've loved going to watch and see just in terms of the karate, the style of karate, the style, the way Kumite may have evolved or changed. Is there anything apparent? In, in those, uh, in you know, in the gap between the the two time periods. Oh yeah, I mean, 
Kumite Karatini moves on so fast. I mean, you, six months will make a difference. Um, so, you know, ten years or whatever is a huge difference in the in the capability of the athletes. Um, the, the things that training has improved so much all the time. If you don't keep up with the current trends of training and sports science, you'll get left behind. Um, and which is what one of the things we're doing with the Kumite coach is trying to yeah. bring in that science and get everything as uh, up to date as we can. Because yeah, within within the ten years, wow, it really has changed. Uh, the athleticism of the fighters is uh, is probably the biggest change. The things that people can do and have to do now to get to, to get those points. Yeah. Um, and has um, has there been any particular moments in fights, um, either as a, a fighter yourself or a coach? Because you you coach many great uh, fighters. Is there been any particular moments where you thought actually we're going to have to train the way we're going to have to change the way we do things? We're going to have to alter our training so there's a a bigger result for us at the competition level. personally as a, a fighter that you know going from kind of being a, a club owner who was trying to be a coach who was trying to be a fighter didn't really have a sensei as such um, until we kind of met and then you you became my my coach over a number of years and in that period I noticed how my competition results went from pretty awful to meddling every now and again to then suddenly winning medals you know on the EKF circuit quite regularly so for me you as a coach had a profound impact did you have any coaches in your journey that had that same impact or have you kind of had to be that that guy who coached himself as he went went forward in his career
as a coach myself, you just end up putting the pieces together and constantly looking um, and, again, stealing whatever you can off the great coaches, uh, making it part of your repertoire. Uh, and then the more you think about it, the more you do. And the, um, hopefully, then the better you get at being able to put those ideas over to people, um, you know, breaking things down and building them back up again uh, to make them understandable and to bring in a process of coaching. Right, yeah. And if we go back to you as a fighter, um, did you have a process for approaching competition successfully or were you just training and then turning up to compete? So do you mean like a, a mental process of like how I'd go along to something, how I'd focus my mind in that sort of... Uh... Yeah, I guess the, the mental aspect or if you had any kind of... Um, routine in terms of your training that was different leading up to a competition than it would be you know through uh, a period where there wasn't competitions available yeah certainly um especially when i was competing all the time I mean, you can, when you're competing all the time you're training competition stuff all the time as well um so you know i'm a i'm a practicum, uh on the whole i do all aspects of shotokan karate um, but when I was competing, especially when I was competing uh, with the All Styles and then Shotgun at the same time, my focus was pretty exclusively on just competition karate style uh, techniques and training, um, which it has to be, which it has to be for that for the level that we're having to work at, and for the athletes that we're having to work with these days as well, um, and knowing that. Sooner or later, you'll, you'll hang up your mitts to a degree, not completely, but you're not competing anymore. And then there's so much more karate to explore and to work with then anyway. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, certainly at the, when you're competing, you're working those competition techniques all the time. Leading up to a competition, you're working your strengths, trying to eradicate your weaknesses, working out what are your strengths and working out what are your weaknesses. Um, you're, you're learning how to control your emotions. Um, what mental state you need to be in when you walk out on that planning. Um, all these things you learn over time. With a coach, it's easier because they'll be helping you with each step. But without a coach, you've got to figure it out yourself. But yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting process. And it's all good fun. Yeah. And I think the mental aspect of the uh, game you know, is possibly one of the things that still isn't focused upon enough um you know for, for athletes what's your views on you know mental preparation um is there anything specifically you would push fighters that you coach to develop or work upon or integrate into their own training practices yeah i mean really you have to figure out what makes you uh, tick what makes you fight um and everybody's different. It's, we, if we have an understanding of what's going on in our head, then we can deal with it and put a, a protocol into place. Uh, the, the difficulty is we, we're all different. We're all completely different. So I know for myself going out to fight, I had to bring myself to a very relaxed state of mind. Um, I had to completely be uh, free of thought almost and just very relaxed. I mean, remind myself to enjoy it. 
if I try to make myself aggressive, I would become too aggressive. And I, and I, was, I was already an aggressive fighter anyway. It would push me to the realms of being tense. Yeah. And then I couldn't work. Other yeah. fighters are completely the opposite. You need to get them wound up. You need to be, you know, you're slapping them in the face almost and telling them to go <laughs> out there and kind of fight. Because uh, if you don't do that, they'll go out there and just bounce around on the mat and get beaten up. Uh, so you need to understand what makes you work. What what do you need to bring out the best in you? Um, I talk a lot in the training about uh, having two versions of you. There's the on the mat you and the off the mat you, where when you're off the mat, you can then enjoy and be fun and be pleasant to everybody. And as soon as you step onto the mat, you become a different person. You become, you're, you're almost uh, playing a role in the film where you become a different character. Um, that worked well for me. Yeah. That really worked well for me. Where off the mat, I could be enjoying the day. Um, the demons would obviously be in your head, but I could ignore them. And then once I stepped onto the mat, I became a different person. I became an aggressive, a nasty, maybe there's the wrong word, but certainly a very aggressive person. Step back off the mat, I can let all that go. Um, and it's strategies, coping mechanisms like this that you can, where you can learn and you can teach and you can train. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And I guess with psychology, people, um, you know, will often at, maybe one of the first things people think of particularly when the word competition is mentioned in a club setting at least there's like a sense of fear around you know that idea of competing um you know i know early earlier on in my competitive career i often felt scared before you know going on to compete until i managed to switch my uh, sort of perspective around have you got any thoughts with people on that that sense of fear that could be associated with fighting uh, and competing in general. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's completely understandable to be fearful of fighting because it is a fight, and um, obviously there's referees and there's uh, padding and safety, but you're still in the back of your brain. There's that uh, you're going out to battle against somebody else, and so again, it's just a coping mechanism. It's learning to to cope and understand the uh, that, the thought process that's going in your head, the demons that are shouting at you. That is completely natural. Um, and once you accept that that's natural, it's far easier to deal with. Um, a lot of people, but a lot of people that don't actually fear the fighting, rather they'll fear uh, the fact that they could fail, yeah. and that they could look stupid. They could go out there and someone will kick them in the head, sweep them to the floor. And that fear of failure uh, will drag them back. Um, so again, if you can figure out what what demons are on your back, what what's in your head and telling you um, that you're going. Are you going to? Is the demon telling you you're going to get beaten up? Is it telling you that you're going to look stupid? Once you can pinpoint what you what you're fearing, you can then start dealing with it. Um, so for me, there's probably a little bit of a mix of everything. I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to go out there and get beaten up. Um, but then when I start analysing that, I think, well, I'm not going to get big enough. There's referees there to stop that from happening. And, you know, I also know that once you're out there doing it, that that, that thought process soon leaves you anyway. The first time yeah. you get hit in a fight, you, 
no, you stop worrying about being hit because you're then in the fight. Yeah. Um, so again, as long as I can remind myself of these things before I go out there, uh, once the demon in your, uh, the, the little voice in the back of your brain starts telling you, oh, this is awful, this is horrendous, just remember you've heard that a thousand times before, um, and you can start to silence it. I wouldn't say that you could completely shut it up, but you can start to silence it, and you can start to talk back to it. You can start to say, "Well, you, you say this every time. You always tell me I'm gonna, I'm gonna screw up today. You always tell me I'm gonna be rubbish." Turns mm-hmm. out that most of the time I've been doing all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you just learn to deal with your emotions. But again, it, it, I don't. I've read a lot of um, sports psychology. It's something that really interests me, um, and I'm sure that's helped me as well to understand the. The feelings and the thoughts that are going through my head. Yeah, yeah, and um, when we're uh, when you're a, a competitor yourself, um, I guess part of the psychology of competing is, you know, when you're facing a strong opponent versus potentially a, an opponent you know is weaker, um, and that you know everyone would think that fighting the weaker opponent would always be the easier fight. Um, what did you find brought out the best in you and how did you deal with that contrast between weaker and stronger opponents? Yeah, I think this is a, this is a, a real good point where um, sometimes when we're, we're often we're working with um, sort of high-level athletes and you ask them, you know, when do they fight best? Almost always they say, well, when I'm fighting something really good, that brings out the best in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've all been out there on, on the mat against something that we perceived as being much weaker than us and then two three minutes later we're walking back off the mat having just lost <laughs> um, and we've, we've let ourselves drop down to the other person's level and we were the better one and they've risen up to our level and uh, and we've lost so again it's understanding that that can happen um we can uh, you know we sometimes do a, a drill where you get two people out to spar uh, points and one of you would deliberately fight badly <laughs> you'll say you want yeah. you to fight a bit slower than and so often you'll see the other side start to match them uh, start to mirror what they're doing so again it's something you have you have to work around them i remember actually this is a great piece of advice given me to, given to me by frank Redham sensei i remember once where <laughs> i i fought in a competition internationally and i either just beat someone or I lost to someone who was I we could both say was way below my level. And he just said to me after remember your premiership and their conference. And you must remember that you must always act that way when you're out there fighting. And something as simple as that makes me oh yeah. Oh yeah. I I've I've got that I've got to always fight at that top level and not be dragged down. So yeah, these are all things that you have to you have to work with and analyze and understand. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I do, I remember as a a fight you you coaching is in one of the JKS England sessions with regards to that exact thing, not being drawn into someone else's fight, particularly if they're that that lower level fighter, um, because that for some reason it does seem to draw people that way. Um, as a as a fighter, just. Uh, Last question for today. Um, one of the things I would be interested to know: Did you have a, a nemesis uh, in your career? Was there someone that was always at the same competitions as you that you 
you know, it was always a, it could have gone either way between you and that, that person. There's a one particular guy in the KGB or the all styles that, that just seemed to be the biggest challenge for you. Yeah, there was quite a few actually. There's always, <laughs> in your stages of a career, you, you always, you know, you'll always get those, those nemesis. There was a, a, a Steve Soul many years ago in the KGB, um, great fighter. Uh, we seem to fight each other every tournament, every, certainly every national championship, every show together, every championship. We were always me. And it would go one way, then the other, one way, then the other. And eventually, uh, it's, it starts to go more my way. And, and then you move on to your next next. Julian Cunning was like the next one where it was a nightmare to fight. Every <laughs> tournament would always end up. And then uh, but I think those things, they're the things that really spur you on, aren't they? They're the things that... Yeah. So I was just trying to talk about this very thing earlier in the week. That's, they were mentioning a fighter. Um, and I said, I hope you got a picture of them on your wall. And every time you feel like giving up, you look at that picture. That is what spurs you on. Yeah. That if you want to be better than them. So yeah, you need those. You have to have those mentions. I mean, they're, they're the things that will take you to the next level. You know? And if you're all by yourself and there's no one to be, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, fantastic. Actually, I've got, I've got one more question. Um, Career highlight as a fighter, and then career highlight to date as a coach. Oh man, that's a blimey. That's a tricky question. Just, uh, just put um, it in there. <laughs> well, as a fighter, that's probably as a fighter, that's probably an easier one. Uh, um, so when I won the um, the Esker, um European Championships in, I'm dreadful remembering. It's two thousand seven, I think it was, wasn't it? I could be 2006 brings my bit could be but that yeah, that championship would have been one that I've been going to for like 15 years and it was an, an open weight championship um, I, it was it was pre the um, the uh, the Premier League sort of where we're in now where you know all your great fights WPF great fighters or uh, save all their energies to the, to the Premier League, which is completely understandable. So you you had a, a great mix of different fighters at that championship. So you had WPF world champions there and um, fighters from different uh, associations. Um, and I've been doing that tournament for 15 years. Uh, I've come close. I uh, silver and bronze at it individually. Um, but never quite got all the way there. And I remember I meant to oh, well, this is it. I'm going to give it one more shot, one more shot. And I just had that day where everything is coming together. And uh, I, 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 I remember I had like seven fights that day, including the team, could be more than that. And, I, and until the final, I didn't drop a point and I just and I took everybody to maximum and just had one of those great days. Um, and in the final, Everything just fell into, fell into place. That my timing was working, my tact were working. I just one of those days. Oh, wouldn't it be nice if every day could be like that? <laughs> um, so that would that would be my, uh, my I think my fighting highlight. Coaching. Well, that's 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 a really tricky question because there's so many times where someone does something and you hope well, you hope they say it is this. 
and you've had something to do with that. And every time that happens, and it could be a little kid winning his first fight, or someone picking up an international medal, and they all face, those all feel like highlights. So that'd be really tricky to pinpoint one. Yeah. Because um, every time that you feel like you've made a difference, it does feel like a highlight. So I, I couldn't pick an individual one for that. So <laughs> there you go. It's a cop out answer. Very <laughs> diplomatic. I'd have to think about that. Yeah. But yeah certainly, I, you know, someone scoring with a head kick was never never scored with a head kick because you've shown them what you do it early in the week. Yeah. And yeah. you sit on the coaching chair trying to look all. Uh, uh, unemotional but inside you're like, yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah fantastic all right uh, matt thanks very much for joining us today we'll uh, be getting you back for we've got you got to think of the answer to that question and uh we've got a few more questions to to get through um but great to have you on on the first podcast for kumite coach um i know i'm really excited about the platform launch i'm sure you are too Absolutely. um and uh, yeah, hopefully all our listeners will agree with us. It's it's a great thing for karate. So thanks again, uh, Matt Sensei, and we'll uh, see you soon. I'll catch you soon, but thanks very much. Thank you.